Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is impacting your life. So please take a moment and email us at mystory at cowboyjunctionchurch.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at cowboyjunctionchurch.com and click give. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You good? You good? Awesome. Did anybody have a, like, you know, like the normal week where it just kind of gets super cold and then super hot and then super cold and just keeps, you know, it can't make up its mind. We live in New Mexico, which is synonymous with bipolar weather. I've learned. Um, this is new to me. Um, just a little bit about me. I just feel like I want to share. I'm going to make myself vulnerable here for a second. Um, I have allergies, and so if I'm sniffing throughout the service, um, it's just because I'm allergic to two major things. First of all, I'm allergic to trees, which is okay. We don't have a ton of those around here. Um, but then I'm also allergic to a bush called mesquite. Um, so there, the lack of trees makes up for it with mesquite. So um, if I'm sniffing, I'll, I'll try to do it away from the microphone, but uh, bear with me. Um, my name is Chris. Just to tell you a little bit, a bit more about myself, my name is Chris Haggard. I'm on staff here at Cowboy Junction, and uh, my title is the creative pastor, which basically means all the things that you've seen that we create on the screens, on the website, on the billboard, uh, videos, graphics, all of those things, um, I head up the team that kind of puts all of that together. Um, so hopefully the things that you see um, have funneled through our, through our area, through our, I guess, team is the best way to describe it. Um, and so a lot of people would probably assume that a, a creative pastor would just, you know, wait for creative ideas to come. And um, that's not the case because I don't just do nothing. We have an incredible leadership that helps give vision, um, such as this incredible board that we have and all the lights and stuff. And so as we talk about today, the message, I'm going to kind of discuss some of the things that we're doing this year in 2018 and, and talk about these lights. And so I just, we're going to roll with this. I've got a lot of stuff to cover. So hopefully if you're taking notes, get your phones out, get pen, paper, um, however you take notes, because we're just going to rock and roll through some of this stuff. Hopefully you will be entertained. Hopefully you will be laughing. You will not be asleep. Um, if you are sweet dreams, hope you have nice dreams. Um, but we are going to do this. Are you ready? Awesome. We are going to go ahead and turn to Philippians. And as you turn to the book of Philippians, or if you don't have your Bible, it's okay because we have this magic thing on the screens where you just mention a scripture and then it's there all of a sudden. And for those of you that don't like Harry Potter, it's not magic, it's God that makes it happen. Um, turn to Philippians chapter two and we're gonna look at verse 12 and we're just gonna focus on this one verse right now. And then we're going to go through this journey, hopefully together, and learn and find out more. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about myself throughout this time. And I, hopefully, you can learn from the things that I share. And so, I'm get, ooh, I like you. I'm getting to that. Leave it blank, because I'm coming back to the title. And you're going to like it. Not like that's a command. You have to like it, but like, hopefully, you will. Awesome. I'm, glad, I'm just glad you're taking notes. Thank you so much for taking notes. <laughs> I just feel like valued, like I have something worth writing down. Yeah. Awesome. 
If, if you set your pin down, I'm going to be a little discouraged, so just continue. We're going to look at this verse, and then we're going to start going into it. And so I'm going to tell you the backstory of this. This is written from Paul. Paul is um, one of the first early church planners that he would actually travel from town to town. And as he would get to a town, he would gather people together, tell them the story of what Jesus did, what Jesus did in his life and, and the life that he lived. And then he would leave. And since they didn't have church online and live stream, he would actually write letters and have them delivered to all the churches that he helped start. And so this is one of the churches. It's a church in Philippi, and they're called the Philippian Church. And so he's writing to them, and they're, they're pretty good. Like, they've got, they haven't had too many issues. They've, they're, they're all right. And so he writes this letter, and this is what he writes. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And now for the title of the message, the title of the message is Stay Lit. Join me as we pray. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. And, and God, as we dive into this scripture, as we begin to look and, and follow this journey that I believe that you have laid out before us, Lord, as we go on this journey together, let, us, let our hearts be open, our ears be open and ready to receive whatever it is that you have for us. We love you. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you, and, and we're going to just be vulnerable. I was honest about my allergies, and now I'm going to ask a little bit of honesty from you. How many of you would say, Chris, I am fairly new to this whole church thing? And you don't have to raise your hand like, hi, but like make eye contact with me. Yeah, like, I, I got you. I'm not going to like point you out, but like. Now on the flip side, see, this is the crazy thing that happens. On the flip side, how many of you have been raised in church or been attending church for a long time? Go ahead and raise your hand. See, isn't it funny, first of all, let's just acknowledge that if you haven't been in church for a while, like, you're like, why is this dude asking me to raise my hand? Like, that's just weird. Like, is he going to call on me and we're going to, do I have to come up and write on the board or, you know, like, what's going to happen? But like the church people are like, no, I know what this is doing. I'm just helping him make feel better. Like, he's, he needs some help up there. So I'm raising my hand. But I just want us to, to kind of all get on the same page because we all have a history. We all have a past. And so the crazy thing is, is for those of you that um, maybe you weren't raised in church, there's certain phrases, certain words that I could say that, and, and I'm not saying this is just for the person that maybe hasn't attended church, but there, there are phrases that I could say that would trigger something in your mind. And it would be this journey that you would go on, whether it would be a quote or whether it would be a song. And so I'm just going to prove my point and so that we all can understand. Um, I'm going to say a phrase, and then we're going to see what happens. First phrase I'm going to say, it could be an, a normal conversation. Um, I, I say this a lot to my four-year-old, my four-year-old daughter. There's a lot of times that she's reaching for something, and the phrase that I say is, no, 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 Maylee, you can't touch this. Did it happen in your mind? It, it happened naturally. No, 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 can't touch this. And that's just, that's natural. Now, the crazy thing is within the, the church world that have been attending church for a while, there were these popular songs that happened in the 90s, and maybe you heard them, maybe you didn't. Um, but if I were to say in, in the phrase, um, we're having a conversation, I say, how are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm pretty good. Yeah, but it could be better. And the thing that I would say is, oh, I can only imagine. 
And not, the people are laughing because the church people that have been attending for a while have heard on the radio, there's a song in the 90s called, I Can Only Imagine. And they would immediately start, I can only imagine. And so they've tuned out for the rest of the conversation because they're playing it in the radio, in their head. And so then on, on the flip side, we'll also say that maybe if, if I were to mention another line and I were to say, oh, so your days, you're, it's kind of rough. And you would say, yeah, I've just been under pressure. And immediately David Bowie and Queen is under pressure. And yeah, that's just what you're doing. And pressing down on me. This is like what I was singing on the way home today. And these are the things that we naturally do. There's two types of people I would say also, and, and Jeff and I were talking about this earlier. Um, if I were to say the word stop, you don't know if you're going to collaborate and listen or if you're wanting me to tell you in the name of love. And some of you are just like, well, it's hammer time. Like, that's just what we're going to do. And so all of us, we have these tendencies that we naturally will go to a, a position and we'll go to a thought process and go to a stance. And we have these beliefs that are based on our history. So whatever you've heard on the radio, whatever music you've been around or whatever um, atmosphere you grew up in, whether it was church or not, you have this history that you pull from and this history helps dictate and helps shape and mold your perception and your understanding of certain phrases, certain words, certain, um, I, I mean, these, these cliches or these different phrases that, that we would say. And a lot of times in church, we can, we can blow over these phrases too quickly. And we can just say a word expecting that everybody knows what we're talking about. For instance, if I were to say, we're going to talk about the word salvation, somebody would go, well, isn't that the fourth Terminator? You know, like that's the, that's the movie, the fourth Terminator. Um, you know, or a Christian, someone going to church for a long time is naturally going to ask somebody and say, how long, how long have you been saved or are you saved? And if you were to ask your barista that at Starbucks, a lot of times they would go, from what? But in the church world, a lot of our process goes saved, and we're talking about our eternity and the soul. How the, how's the state of our soul in, in regards to eternity? And so there's very different viewpoints. And so I wanted to cover some of these things, and we're going to focus on three, three major words that kind of shape what following Jesus is all about. So if, you, if this is your first time here, if you're new to this thing, then this is going to be great because we're like covering the foundation of what it is that we believe. If you've been doing this for a while, I want to encourage you don't tune out because there's things that we need to refresh and remember that we need to, to focus on because there's a, there's a basic foundation that if the foundation is not addressed, then a lot of times a structure built on top of it can end up crumbling. And so we're going we're gonna to do that. Um, I'm going to write on this board. I'm going to actually draw pictures. So if you like pictures, then that's cool. You can stay in, engaged and you don't make fun of my drawings though, because I had that happen yesterday and it kind of hurt my feelings. No, it didn't really hurt my feelings. I know I'm, I'm not a great artist. I'm creative on a computer, not hand-drawn. So stick figures are my jam. Hope you like them. The first word that we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about salvation. And so I'm going to write up here, we're going to talk about what is salvation. 
Salvation is something that we say, and, and it's also the fourth Terminator movie, but salvation is this idea that we have learned what it is that God has done for, for us. And, and so I'm going to read a few scriptures. If you're taking notes, go ahead and get these. You can write these down. I'm going to read them. They're not going to be on the screen um, because there's a few of them. We're just going to rock through them. Romans 3.23 is the first step of salvation. So in sp- explaining salvation, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I'm going to briefly explain all of these. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. So in other words, we're all on the same playing field. We all mess up. We could all agree that we don't live perfect. We mess up and we continue to mess up. And so what do we do about it? And then Romans 5.8, on this next step of the journey, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, we're all continuing to mess up. Christ died for us. There's a fancy word that... that we, people say in in Christianity, it's called propitiation. In other words, there was a price that was paid, and so we were all sinners, and the price that was paid was that Christ died for us, even while we were sinners. And that comes to Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, that propitiation or that trade, that transfer that happened was we were all messed up, But Jesus, while we were still sinners, said, yeah, but I'm going to die for you. I'm going to live a perfect life. I'm going to live the life that you should have lived, but then I'm going to die the death that you actually deserved, and I'm going to take your place. And just like that in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him or has faith in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So salvation is the foundation of what following Jesus is about. It's the first step in the journey. If, if you're understanding or you're wanting to know, maybe you're just a skeptic going, I'm just trying to figure this out. I just like the way church makes me feel, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm observing right now. And I would say that's awesome. This gives you an insight into what it is that we believe. Salvation is the first step. And, and when I want to go back to our scripture that we looked at in Philippians chapter 2, because it talked about salvation. It said that in the last half of it, that we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And now I would say that sounds kind of tough. He starts it out nice and says, therefore, my beloved. In other words, remember, I love you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I think we could look at that and go, okay, um, what do we have to, what do we, what do we do if we're working out our salvation? I want to highlight just a couple things. The first thing that he says is, I want you to work out your salvation. I don't want you to work for your salvation. In John 3.16, it says, all you've got to do is believe or have faith in him and what he's done for you. And so it's not work for your salvation, like I've got to do, 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 and try and do all this stuff and work hard and work hard. He's saying, just work out your salvation. Salvation, actually, in that text, and I have it put up on the screen, salvation was being saved from the penalty, the power, the presence, and most importantly, the pleasure of sin. So when you're working out your salvation, what you're doing is you're trying to work through the tendencies that we all have. The sin tendencies that we have, the things that we naturally gravitate towards as human beings, greed, um, things, uh, lust of the flesh, desires that you would have, we're trying to work that out of us. And so salvation, he's saying, work out your salvation, work to get that out of you. But then the next part says, with fear and trembling. 
And with fear and trembling, actually, it's used to describe the anxiety of one who distrusts their ability to completely meet all requirements, but religiously does their utmost to fulfill their duty. In other words, you're trying to get the things out of you. You're trying to work out your salvation and say, God, I'm trying to get clean. I'm trying to, to remove the things that are holding me back in life. Um, but I'm doing it with fear and trembling. I'm trying, and that's what Paul's telling him to do. Work it out with fear and trembling. And now I look at this, and if you're, you know, one of the skeptics that's in the room, I would look at this and go, what part about that looks fun? Trying really hard to work out and, and try and get the impurities out of your life and that stuff and be not how I naturally want to be, that doesn't sound fun. And then to put on top of it, I have to do it with anxiety to completely meet all the requirements. And I'm going to try my utmost to fulfill that. I'm going to work as hard as I can. And I would not blame you for a second to go, eh, it just doesn't sound very fun. I really like what I have going on, and I'm not like looking to change. And so I would look at this, and I would say, absolutely. I am on the same page with you. I am saying, it does not sound fun. It does not sound easy. It's simple, because you say, work it out, work it out. It's going to be tough. You're going to be anxious, but you got to work hard. And you're going, oh, this is difficult. See, salvation is this idea, and, and it, it, I want to I look at Galatians chapter 3. This is another letter that Paul wrote. It's Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, 26 and 27. It says, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. This is, again, talking about salvation. For as many of you as were baptized, baptized isn't what saves you, but as, as many of you as were baptized and showing that you follow Jesus into Christ, you have put on Christ. There is a couple, another translation of the Bible that says, for as many of you as were baptized or immersed into Christ have put on Christ, and now you are clothed and covered with his anointing. So that's, that's like saying, this is me, and, and I haven't worked out since, you know, beginning of the new year, so please excuse that. Um, but it's saying right here, Paul is saying, if you have accepted Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for you, then you now were baptized into Christ, and you have put on Christ. So we're just going to say that that is on you. This is Jesus, and Jesus is now on you, and you have put on Christ. You were completely immersed. I would even go a step further and say that you weren't just completely immersed, that you were clothed or covered. It says that you were covered and clothed with his anointing. And I want to jump from that to also introducing the next word that we can easily blow over, and that word is mercy word is mercy. So if you're taking notes, write down mercy. And mercy, I want to look at another scripture that kind of explains this a little bit. It's in 2 Corinthians, again, another, another letter that was written to the church in Corinth, the second letter, that's why it's 2 Corinthians. Paul writes this, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I think it's interesting, this scripture is actually probably one of the most well-worded 
that describes what Jesus did for us. It says in John 3.16 that he came and, you know, God sent his son, but this one actually says that Jesus was the propitiation. He made him who knew no sin. God making Jesus the perfect sacrifice, he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The interesting thing right there is the second to last word, the righteousness of God in him. Not just under him, you're in him. And so now you're completely, there is no way in, you are completely in Christ. And so if we're gonna work out our salvation, what you're doing is you're taking all of this the stuff that's in you naturally, and you're working it out, and you're getting it out because there is a covering of Jesus over you and around you, completely surrounding, completely immersed, and you are working it out. You're working out the salvation. Again, you're not working for it. If you've accepted Jesus and you decided to follow him, you're, you're there. You're just now going to work it out. And mercy is Jesus came... You deserve death, but because of the cross, he took your place. The wages of sin is death. We looked at that in Romans. So the wages of sin is death. I'll move over to this side so you guys can see. But because of the cross, Jesus living the perfect life, taking our place, now mercy means I get salvation. And now I'm completely covered by Jesus because of his sacrifice for me. And this is incredible. I want us all to understand this. And maybe some of you would go, well, I've learned this. I knew this for a long time. And I would say, absolutely, me too. I grew up knowing this. In fact, I grew up saying phrases like, I'm saved. I've accepted salvation. When I was young and I was in Sunday school, and, and I was basically was just like free babysitting for your parents so that they can get a break for a minute. But they would teach you cool things on a felt board one of the things that they would ask me is, have you asked Jesus into your heart? And there's a little boy that tried to understand it, and he said, he cut his finger, and he goes, he's four, he goes, Jesus, I cut my finger, and I need you to heal it, so please come out of my heart, down my arm, heal my finger, and then get back in my heart. <laughs> and it's this idea, it's just another phrase of saying that you've accepted the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. And I, I remember learning this. And this is incredible. All of this is true, everything that we've talked about. But I would say the dangerous thing is, if you've decided to follow Jesus, the dangerous thing is you stop right here. And you just begin to revisit salvation and mercy. And you keep going back to Jesus died on the cross. And what I did for however many years, probably 20-something years, is I began to continue to go back to salvation and mercy. And I'm not saying that's not good. It is good to remember what Jesus did for us. It is good to remember that we deserve death, but he took our place. But the problem can be this, and I heard a pastor say it this way, I knew somebody that was walking with Jesus and decided to follow Jesus for 22 years, but you'd never know it because they kept living the first year over 22 times. And they just kept doing the same thing, and they just kept going here. But I believe that God, in all of his wisdom and all of his love, he didn't want us to just live here. He wanted us to go here. 
there was something here that I believe that unlocks our life with him, that unlocks what life really could be. And that word is grace. Grace, there's a scripture that I want to read, and it's in John 10.10. It says this, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus saying this, But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. He's saying, I want you to have life, eternal life. I want you to have this. But I don't want you to just stop there. I want you to have it and have it more abundantly. I want you to understand the grace. Grace and mercy are different because mercy is saying, I deserve this, but instead of getting what I deserved, he took my place. Grace is actually a step further in saying, now he didn't just give me freedom, he gave me so much more. There's gifts that he's given me. There's things that he's given me. The life and life more abundantly, what does that actually look like? And so as I begin to look at this, my salvation and mercy journey begin to kind of get less and less frequent. How that looked is I didn't have to raise my hand every week when they asked if anybody wanted to, to follow Jesus. I wasn't trying to make the decision every single week, although it is good to, to continually remind yourself who you follow. It wasn't this, I'm doing this out of, I'm just scared. I don't want to go, I, I don't want death. And so I continue to raise my hand every single week. And that's not what it was anymore. Now it was this idea that I'm living for something bigger. I'm living for something more. God's given me more than just a get out of hell free card. And now there's something deeper. And I want to find out what that is. It's a journey that we walk on. It's this, it's this journey that I think that God has designed for each of us. And Philippians 2, we're going to go back to that scripture because I kind of was unfair in how I read it to you. I didn't finish the sentence. It says in the next verse that you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. For it is God who works in you. So now this picture actually looks different because you've got this person here and they're completely covered Jesus has surrounded them, but now they have this right here. There's something in here that is giving them the power. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And this could be confusing. I know it was for me. For me, I was confused because I said, how am I in Jesus, but then... God is also working in me. How is he surrounding me and then also in me at the same time? And I, and I tried to understand, and I, and I think this looks a little, I, I can't completely wrap my head around it. And so I want to help if that's you and we're on the same page, I would say I'm going to try and explain this to you um, through an illustration because a lot of times this looks, this looks like just buying workout clothes. And you, you work out. At least you look the part, right? Like you got the workout clothes, you went to the store, and you look good. You're under-armored from head to toe, and you look like you work out. Maybe not physically, but at least your outfit says you do. And you have got the outfit. But this, this is like actually starting to work out. 
this is where you start seeing progress, where you start seeing some, some gains, if you will. And, and this is where you start growing. There's weight loss or there's muscle being built and there's endurance happening. This is, again, just looking the part. Pastor Ty, a few weeks ago, said, this is like buying a violin. This is like playing a violin. They're different. And at the beginning of playing a violin, you're not going to sound good. It's going to sound weird. Everybody's trying, like, we know what you're trying to do. And if you didn't hear that message, I encourage you to go listen to it on our website or on our podcast, because it, it describes the transition from first deciding to follow Jesus to now I'm working this thing out and I'm seeing what happens. I think the other illustration for, for Philippians, we can go back up to that. For Philippians, it says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Because it still says with fear and trembling, right? It still says that there's going to be hard. And so some of you are like, well, is God saying, is, is it, is, am I going to be anxious? Is there going to be anxiety? And if you stopped at verse 12, I would say yes. Because you're going to work it out with fear and trembling, which means you're going to give it your best shot. You're going to do as much as you can. You're going to try and you're going to try. But it's God who works in you. This looks like me with my dad. If anybody has a toddler, you know the phrase, I can do it by myself. Verse 12 was me as a four-year-old saying, I'm going to do it by myself. Dad, I don't need you. I'm going to do it by myself. And the great thing about my dad is he would watch and go, okay. And he'd watch me. And with fear and trembling, I'm trying to show him that I can do it. I'm trying to show him, I can do it, dad. I can do this. And he's looking at me going, you can't, but I'll, I'll be here. And eventually I would get to the point where finally I'd go, okay, dad, I need your help. And he'd come help me. And then as I get older and this relationship would grow, I'd begin to say, okay, dad, I, I need your help. And I would start with asking him for help. And I would start more and more that relationship would be built because I still want to impress him. I still want to be able to do those things. But now it's not out of a, I'm trying to show you that I can put it all together myself. This is actually a, I want you to teach me. I want you to show me. It happened with, with whenever I learned to change the brakes on my, on my car. And as, as I'm 14, 15 years old, and I get my permit, and I'm driving in Alaska, and my dad's teaching me, he's, he's showing me how to change the brakes on my car. And so he would begin to show me. And he, and he mentioned, I talked to him today, he said, isn't it funny that you do it a little bit with fear and trembling, even if I'm helping you? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, if you don't put that thing back in the right way, you better be scared because you're working that out. And the craziest thing happens because now I would say fast forward to now, if my dad and I are to work on a project, we're walking side by side and the craziest thing happens. I know how he would do things. I'm, I can read his mind. There's things that I'm like, now, what I want to do is I have already aligned my will with his. And now I, there's things that we'll be working on a project together. Just recently, we went up to Alaska and he was working on a, a simple project. We were putting things down on stairs and he goes, hey, I need 
and I had already handed him the box cutter because I knew he was gonna need the box cutter for the next step of the process. And so now, working out my salvation wasn't this idea of watch me do it or I need you to do it. It was, come on, let's do it together. I I wanna do it with you. And I know that you know how to do it better than I do. And so you've got to show me. And so that was the idea that working out my salvation wasn't about anxiety. It was, it becomes joy now. I actually get to work things out with him. Now, are there times that whenever my dad teaches me something that maybe I didn't know about and he shows me or corrects me that sometimes I feel like, ah, I, I knew how to do that. Yeah, there's always going to be those moments. But it's whenever I humble myself and go, but you know best. Father, you, you know best. There's areas that I mess up on, and I'm trying to work things out, and you're showing me things that I need to get out, and there's things that are trying to get out, but you're in there helping me get it out. And that's what it's actually all about. The last thing that I want to show you is in John chapter 15, and we're going to go to the Passion Translation instead of the New King James, because there's, there's actually some things in here that I believe, um, they give a, a good word picture, if you will, to describe this union. How can he be over me, around me? How can I be in him, but him also be in me? And, it, I, and just, this is a side note, I would say that translations are all valuable because they're all teaching the same truth, they're just wording it differently. And so in this translation, it says this, I am a true sprouting vine. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches. In the Greek, it says, he takes up to himself every fruitless branch. He doesn't remove these branches, but he takes them to himself. As a wise and loving farmer, he begins to lift them up off the ground to enhance their growth. The context of this conversation is Jesus with his 12 disciples explaining that he's about to go to the cross, and he actually has just told Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, I would never. And he's going, no, no, no you're going to. But then he tells this story and he says, but there's times when as a branch, you seem to have fallen low and you can't prop yourself up, but I'm going to do it. My father is going to do that. It continues and he says, he props up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken over you have already cleansed or have already pruned you. So you must remain in life union with me or grafted into me for I remain in life union with you. That's that picture. I am in life union with him and he is in life union with me. The phrase is we are grafted in to one another. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. Verse five, I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. If a person is separated from me, he is discarded. Such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire to be burned. But if you live in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. 
When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. So there's things that begin to happen in this partnership. He actually describes and says that this that lives in you is Jesus' Holy Spirit. He said, I am going to leave, but it's better that I leave because I'm going to send my spirit who's going to dwell and give you power, and he's going to live in you. And in you are going to be things, the Holy Spirit is going to be things like he's going to be a teacher. He's also going to be light. He's going to be a comforter. He's going to be somebody that, that helps produce fruit. And these aren't all of the things. These are just a few of the things. These are a few of the things that the Holy Spirit can do in you. This isn't an exhaustive list. This is just a few. But this analogy is now saying, if there's areas in my life, let's say this little kidney area right here, that is dark, that there's somehow this natural, there's this tendency to want to do what I want to do. In my life, his light or the teacher comes in and says, hey, how about we work on that issue? And a lot of times our initial response, and this is just me being honest, my initial response is, yeah, but maybe we should just not touch that part. <laughs> that part's been there a while. And if we remove it, it's going to hurt. Or, no, 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 I, I've, I've gotten over it. I'm, I'm going to be fine. We don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about the divorce. We don't need to talk about the abuse or the neglect. It's, it's, I'm, I'm over it. I'm okay. And he goes, are you? <laughs> and, and you begin to have this conversation. And I would say, for me, I have never audibly heard or loud, physically heard God speak to me. There have been some people that have. I've never had that pleasure. I don't know if he sounds like Morgan Freeman or not. I would like to think that he does. I've never had this conversation, but the conversations that happen with me, they happen inside. I can feel it. I go, ah, I know I need, to, I need to bridle my tongue. There's things that I need to stop saying. And he just, it's an urge. And he doesn't do it harshly. He's pretty gentle about it. He's loving. He's a loving father that comes beside you and says, hey, maybe I would tighten the lug nuts a little bit tighter. Because <laughs> you're going to want to. And it's a gentle nudge, and it's a still small voice. That's how it's described in Scripture, that he begins to speak to you, and it's inside. And he can speak to you through things that you read in the Bible. You can read something, and you go, huh, that's interesting. Well, that's him speaking to you. If there's something that stands out, there's something that he's trying to say, he's trying to teach you. And so this, this is described as a branch and vines, and he's the sprouting vine. And so what I did was I, I looked up what, how, do, how do trees, how do vines, how do those plants, how do they get water? Because if we're the branches, I'm, I want to know how am I nourished? Like, how am I refreshed? What is, what keeps me alive and growing? How do I stay lit? How do I continue to let my light shine 
and not just shine dimly, but how do I let it get brighter? And I would say, in all of my studying, I watched a lot of YouTube videos because I had to have them break it down. Like, how do, how, how do the leaves get water? Because I'm not going to say as a kid. Like the other day, I thought, that, I thought that you could water the leaves and the tree gets water, right? Because if your mom says, hey, water the plants, I'm like, I did. I watered the plant. What she's saying is, would you water the soil and the roots? There's an environment that needs to be taken care of in order to have growth. And so I begin to look up how the water transfers from the roots to the branches. And the craziest thing happens. It's not a straw. <laughs> I thought roots were straws. And the branches just have to work real hard and they're like all the way up to the top which would really be difficult for some of the redwoods because that is a long way. But it's not this idea that they have to work to get the water up. What actually happens is there is a thin layer underneath the bark or underneath the outside, there's a thin layer of cells that surround the root or surround the branch and they actually are all connected and through the process of osmosis, which means they're connecting and they share, they actually begin to pass water. So from the roots, the roots soak in the water and then they pass it to the next cell. And that cell, through its shell, through its membrane, it soaks it and then gives it to the next one. And they say, Sir Isaac Newton, when he understood this, he found gravity, but then he said, this is the only thing that I've found that defies gravity. It doesn't make sense I would think that there would be some, there's got to be some sort of force that helps the water get to the top, to the, get to the branches. That's not how it works. And Jesus doesn't just happen to use this illustration. It's very much on purpose. Because what these cells do is they begin to pass water. And they begin to share. And they begin to take what that person has, and they begin to pass it on. And that's what the church is called to do. That's what you and I are called to do. We're called to shoulder to shoulder get next to people, and pass truth. We take the truth and we pass it. We take it and we pass it. You want to know what happens when we quit passing water? These people suffer. These people, these branches, they begin to wither and die because we're not doing our job. It's interesting because I would say, and I've had the thought process, yeah, but it's my relationship with God. How are there going to be other people that are going to suffer because of it? And I would say, if you quit passing water, there could be tens, hundreds, thousands of people that they can never be affected because you just quit passing water. And you're just, you're a faulty cell and you've closed off and said, yeah, I'm out. And now this whole ecosystem's thrown off because there's people that are missing it out. And so I wanted to highlight the environment or the soil that I believe all of us need to find ourselves planted in. I believe there's tangible next steps that we could take. I believe there's things that we as a, as a staff have gotten together and said there's tangible things that we can help with. I can't convince you to be a better cell water passer. I can't urge you enough. I am trying my darndest, believe me. I can't tell you what to do, but what I can do is I can set an environment. 
I can help set it before you. That's what Pastor Ty has always said. I can set this before you. And if you will just allow that and take a step forward and say, yeah, okay, I'll try. I will try. I will give it my best. Then if you do that, you're in the environment to start growing, to start seeing health. And you're not doing it out of your own work. You're doing it with the power that lives in you. You're covered. He's saying, I am in you. I am around you. I I, want to set you up for success. I want to set you up for complete success. And so we've set tangible things that we want to give to you. And these are what we would title our next steps. We've recently been working on how do we help people grow? How do we set an environment? And so we do things such as growth track, which is something that we just launched this month. And it's a class that helps teach a lot of these things, but then also helps you learn, okay, well, what does it mean to follow Jesus? When you say, I need to get baptized, why? And it answers some of those questions. It's a, it's a discussion and it's a group setting that happens on, on Sundays. And it happens at the 10 o'clock service, which because if you have kids, you really want to make sure that you can come to a 10 o'clock and attend an 1130 or come to an 830 and attend at 10 and you will have your kids taken care of. They're going to have a blast, but you are going to be able to grow and set yourself in the right environment to learn how to pass water. So growth track is one of those things. And, and we're going to actually, we can go ahead and put them up on the screen. You can go through all of them. We've got baptism. We've got groups serve next steps. Yeah. We're just going to see, they just keep going over and over and over. And once you get to the bottom, start back up again at the top. It, maybe you've decided to follow Jesus and you say, okay, there's, I, I, I want to follow Jesus. I understand salvation. I understand what he did for me. So what does my next step look like? Well, Jesus actually gave us the example and he says, go be baptized. And it's not anything special about the water. It's a demonstration of being completely immersed and letting other people see. Because one of the things that's crazy is if you will be completely immersed, if I were to completely soak you in water, dunk you in water, there is not an inch of you that comes out of that water dry. The people around you know that you've been in the water. And so you come out of this thing going, okay, now I get this picture of baptism. Is okay, I, I, I can kind of see what that first step is. And so we actually have a a site set up. And right now, if you wanna get your phone out and text some of these things, then you can, because you actually text the word CJ baptism, no spaces, all one word to the number 97000. There's not any more. Fabian asked me, he was like, is that like a 575 or? I was like, no, it's just, it's just five numbers. You can text it. And the craziest thing happens is we actually will help you and we will assist you in these next steps. The other one is groups and groups is again, the environment for growth, because what you're doing is if you get in a group, you're getting shoulder to shoulder with cells and we're teaching each other how to pass water. We're teaching and we're going, okay, so this is kind of how you do things. So what if I've got questions about X, Y, and Z and the person beside you goes, I had those same questions too. And one of the things that I learned is this, and you're doing life with somebody. We have every week, Pastor Ty has notes that he gives to the group leaders that help you discuss the message a little bit more. So if you've got questions, you can ask those in the groups and the people that are side by side can help you learn. Or maybe 
you want to set the environment for other people to grow and you want to serve there's teams that we have that are happening through all, all throughout the week that help make weekends possible and help make youth possible and help make college nights possible all of those things they they have to happen with people it just doesn't magically happen like the scriptures magically appear on the screen it just you have to you have to do something in the analogy what you're doing is you're teaching other people you're helping pass water down the branch I see the vision I see what needs to happen there's people that need to know Jesus that's what all these lights represent the un, unlit lights are, are people that we're believing for all those name tags that are on the sides those are people that we're believing for and all of the lights that are already turned on those are the people that because of the serving that people have done it makes it possible to see those lights turn on I think we, we, don't, we don't say thank you enough. We want to say thank you because if, you, if we don't have people that serve, we can't see salvations happen as quickly as they do. We've had, over, we've had 42 people so far in, in all of 2018 make a decision to follow Jesus and their light has been turned on. And through this process, we're going to try and see how we can help them stay lit. How do we help that light stay on? The next one is next steps and that just has a list of different things that you could get involved in and different things that that you may have questions about whether it's I, I need help understanding how does God want me to manage my finances or or what about my marriage I need help in my marriage or, or I need help with this and so it's got I think we even have an other that you can write in like what you what you want to what you want to know and so we've got next steps that we just want to assist you to help you be the best gosh darn water passers you've ever seen and I think that it would be a disservice if we moved forward from this without addressing that I believe that there's some people that may need to make this decision first I believe that there's people that when we had yesterday we had somebody make the decision that said you know what I never understood what salvation was and now that I know, and I know what I'm signing on for, I want to be a part of that. And if there's somebody in the room that, that you'd say, yeah, that's, that's me. I don't have all the answers, but I like what I'm hearing and I want to see and I want to learn more. Then I want to pray for you. And so I'm going to ask everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes for just in a moment of concentration and privacy. So there's no distractions. I, I want to give that invitation and ask if there's anybody that would say, I want to make that decision to follow Jesus for the very first time. And if that's you, if you're somebody that this sounds like this is what you need, you want other people beside you, you want to follow Jesus and have him work some things out in your life. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. And, and as you do it, there's not going to be anybody looking around, but I want you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me so that I know who I'm praying for. And we're just going to say a simple prayer together. There's nothing crazy that's going to happen, but as we say this prayer, it's going to be a true confession of saying, Jesus, I need you. I want you to cover me and I want you to live in me. And so if that's you on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, God loves you so much. Two, promise you'll never be the same. Three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Awesome. Awesome. That's incredible. That's incredible. Once you raise your hand, you can slip it back down. 
Awesome. Awesome. We're going to say a prayer, and there's nothing that are spectacular or special about my words other than the fact that it's just being honest and saying, Jesus, I need you. And so I'm going to pray a prayer, and then everybody's going to join with me and repeat after me. And this is going to be a confession saying, Jesus, I need you. So would you join me as we pray? Jesus, I need you. I don't want to do it on my own. I need you inside. I need you to cover me. I need you to cover my sins. I accept the sacrifice you made. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We had, we had three people that made the decision. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. That's what it's about. In other words, that means that there's been three people that made a decision and said, I want Jesus to light me up from the inside. And so we're going to dismiss. And as we dismiss, I'm going to ask you, if you raise your hand, um, if you will meet me and, and Jeff and, and Abby, we're all going to be over here at this Next Steps table. And as everybody dismisses and, and we don't have to stack chairs or do anything like that, we're going to leave this atmosphere ready for people to to, to have a conversation and learn a little bit more. But as everybody is leaving, I'm going to ask that you meet me over here at this Next Steps table. And we have some resources that we want to give you because we understand that this journey can be hard by yourself. And so we want to help you and show you, hopefully put our money where our mouth is and say, we want to walk with you through this thing. We want to, we want to be the cells that are standing next to you. And we get the honor and the privilege of doing that. And so if that's you, would you, if you raised your hand, prayed that prayer for the very first time, go ahead and just meet us over there after we dismiss. But I just want you to know a couple things. One, I love you. Two, Jesus loves you. Three, Pastor Ty and Heather love you. And we truly believe that if you love God and if you love people, that there's going to be no limits. God bless you guys. Have a great week in the Lord. See you later.